All right, let's see if we get Michael Cisco in here. Candidate for House of Representatives. Let's see if we got him. Ba-bang. Yeah, here we go. Yeah, yeah. Hello, hello. Am I actually here? We are, are here? here. You are live. What's up, my brother? How you doing? I uh, know I'm doing pretty good. Apparently just boomer teching today. <laughs> That's so, all good, you know. man. Yeah, the youngest boomer. That's cool. <laughs> Welcome <laughs> on the show. You almost caught me. Yeah. Almost oh, yeah. caught me in the middle of a vape. I was yeah. like about to take a hit and I was yeah. like, oh. Now, there's not weed in there, is there? You you're not you're not yeah. one of the partakers in that, are you? No, I'm not. It's just salt, just salt, Nick. Okay, know. sounds salt good. Nick. Well, I just did a little little uh, intro for you. You know, you're running for House of Representatives out of uh, West Virginia. I think it's di- District One, I believe. But you know, we're basically going to talk about you know your platform tonight and some other current events and stuff like that. But I don't know. We we met at the Stop the Steal rally back in in December, and that was before I knew you had any uh you know ambitions of running for Congress or anything. And I when you told me that you're running, I was really happy. We need more America First and uh and base dudes over there in congress but how long had you been kind of toying with the idea and what made you decide to start to run uh well i didn't actually plan on it until because you know i i moved to west virginia to escape the liberals and to go to where my my ancestors first moved here on in this uh on this continent back in the 18th century so I've always felt drawn to West Virginia, and the every county voting red during the general election sealed the deal. Mm. Um, so no, I, I didn't. I didn't really intend to run. It was really the events of January sixth and the the way that my new congressman just kind of was was very his cowardly response got my itch going to really get involved in another campaign, but I didn't want to leave. I didn't want to leave West Virginia, so mm. my experience is with with federal campaigns. So I figured, you know what, I'll just be the campaign. Yeah, that's <laughs> so awesome. Here, here I am running for U.S. House. Yeah, that's great. So, what was the who? So you're trying to so the guy you're describing, the other the the congressman, he's a he's a Republican. So you're trying to primary him. Yeah, yeah. So Representative David McKinley. Now it it. It does turn out that, you know, we're losing a house seat. So in September, the redistricting might might change. He might retire. I could be going up against Representative Mooney. But um, I'm not really worried about it either way because, you know, both of even though Mooney, at least he did support President Trump, but his voting record isn't really exactly America first. So Mm. I'm not really concerned. I I think I could take them both in a three way or, or beat either one of them. So. Right. Um, so as far as your platform, I mean, we're basically going to kind of go through your website or, or uh, and talk about like kind of all these different points. But before we get to that, um, you know, one thing I wanted to ask you about in general was just the idea of America first. I mean, if you just take it literally, you know, you're just like you're putting America first over all countries. Now, to me, that would be it should be a no brainer for essentially every single American politician. But you know, um, I, I'm a fr- I'm a fan of Nick Fuentes. Um, I'm you know I uh, I like Trump a lot. I mean, more than any Democrat and stuff like that. But like both these guys say America first. A lot of people say America first, and I think the origins of the of the political phrase start with Charles Lindbergh about a hundred years ago or something like that. But what is America first to you, and and why do you think that's so important right now? Well, you know, even 
you mentioned Nick, and and he's he's talked about kind of the danger to America First are, are people who are appropriating the the phrase, but aren't actually what we would consider to be America First. I think the essentials are well for one immigration. You have at least some pushback against demographic replacement and uh, such as what Tucker Carlson alluded to that the ADL did not take so kindly to. Um, So yeah, yeah, some for like in principle, putting the interest of native born Americans and current citizens above foreign interests and especially as it relates to immigration. And then when it relates to foreign policy, I think uh, more of a non-interventionalists let's not send our why are we using all wasting all of these resources abroad that we could be using domestically i think those two issues coupled with social conservatism especially christian social conservatism i think are the essentials to an america first platform Right. And so you you see as and I, I, I agree with everything you just said, but you, you see as America is essentially a, uh, a Christian nation. I mean, at, at its foundation and, you know, um, the nation being more than just a place, more than just like a, a, a placeholder for ideas at, to quote Charlie Kirk. Uh, you know, th- things like that and like something with an actual you know, ethnic identity, um, for lack of a better word, right? Well, yeah. And I, and I think that that founding idea, well, not idea, I know I just said that, but, uh, <laughs> but, but that concept itself has deeper roots than, say, uh, what, what you'll hear a lot of like neocons and even just like libertarian type people will say they want to conserve the Constitution, right? Which, which, of course, the rule of law should be upheld. The Constitution is the rule of law. If we're going to have it, we should abide by it, right? But no, I think it goes deeper than that. Our, at least my English ancestors, I'm, I'm mostly British. My, my family has been in America since, like I said before, the 18th century, where I'm a heritage American, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think, you know, it's not a necessity to be an American for the, for you to be a heritage American, right? But you have to at least be able to acknowledge facts and history. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, Englishmen came here specifically to work out their faith in a, in a place that they felt was more f- a better place to work out their salvation than back in England. Um, and you saw this with the, the lost Roanoke colonies, which and then Jamestown, which, which was trying to find the Roanoke colony. Those, those were people that wanted to they, they wanted to plant Christianity on this continent. And then with the Plymouth Rock Pilgrims, well they their mission was quite clear. They wanted religious freedom from, and they tried it in other places. They tried it in, um, uh, I think, Denmark and a few other places, and it just didn't work out. But this was the perfect fertile ground for them because what was their, <laughs> what, an entire continent with no really organized force to oppose them. So hmm. um, they, were, they were pioneers in that sense. So to me, the colonists of, 
from England, the English colonists came here, they brought the British political tradition, coupled with a desire to live out their faith here in freedom to freely practice Christianity. And so to me, that is what our nation is. That is the core of our nation. That is why I believe we are a Christian nation. Although I may, I may disagree with, with the, uh, some of the theological frameworks of, of some of these people. Um, you know, I think that that is what we have to look to as our, as our grounding force more so than, than um, enlightenment concepts of government that came later. Yeah. Yeah, definitely, man. I, so yeah, again, I agree with everything you're saying and it, it's, it's the truth, whether you're um, a heritage American or not. I mean, I'm, I'm a heritage American as well. I had family on the Mayflower actually. Um, oh, wow. and, yeah. And, uh, and so even, but it's the truth. I mean, like if I went to, you know, I think one thing, you know, I don't know, it's very hard to explain, you know, true nationalism to people that have not been exposed to a lot of books and ideas on it because, you know, it's not, it's not the actual nationalism is not the way that people are taught in public schools and schools in general. Um, but I think it's very helpful if you're trying to red pill people on nationalism is just, it's just you'd use the example of another country. Like if I wasn't a heritage Japanese guy and I went over to Japan and tried talking this bullshit over there, you know, like that, Oh, I'm an equal citizen. You know, that's it's, it, it would, it would not, it would not fly. And that doesn't make me an Asian supremacist because Chinese people are like Asian. So it's not like a race thing necessarily. It's like an eth ethnic, it, it, ethnic is more than just blood, but it's a lot of it, you have to, like you said, you have to accept that there was like a first generation and those people were here and they were a specific people group. Correct. Correct. And you should respect it as much as you would. Like you said, like if you were, if you were going to Japan, you would respect their heritage and their culture and you wouldn't try and undermine it with, with, with your political ideology, specifically designed to undermine it yeah so, absolutely yeah for sure yeah. So, so yeah i mean so you're, you're you're like you said you brought up immigration so you know let's get into your platform a little bit um so right here it says uh, you want a 10-year moratorium on all immigration the corporate elite have continuously worked against the interest of working-class americans while corporate profits rise american wages have remained stagnant and it goes on to talk about um you want to get rid of h1b visas uh j1 uh visa scams and things like that so my my question you know my my audience and myself you would you know consider us right wing for sure my, my question might be an interesting one why only 10 years <laughs> why not open-ended well, for lack of a better word like like why do you is that to kind of do a little compromise with the people that are going to think you're nuts if you say 80 years or until <laughs> until we until we get it figured out like you know to me that's what i kind of think is like if you want to round number 10 is good but it's really until you figure it out until we figure it out but why'd you pick 10 and that, that whole deal well, you know, I, I just wanted to be a little longer than Marjorie Taylor Greene's four years. So, oh, is know. that what she says? Yeah, that's weird, man. That's not long <laughs> enough. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. Really, the intent is, hey, this is this is <laughs> this is a start. You know, it's a chance to to get us give us an opportunity to, you know, at least turn things around and create as a monoculture of sorts based around well, traditional Christian values. And I do think that it's enough time to develop a merit system, but 
not what you're thinking. Most people, when they think of a merit system, they're thinking about people with hot technical skills that we might need here, right? Um, well, to me, that just means, you know, high, people that are going to come and replace Americans to do a job for less money. But what I, what I want are people who, who want to come here to participate in what we're building as a culture. Mm. Um, they want to participate and live in a Christian society. They want to come here and be a part of a real community of Christians. They want to have families. They want to have kids. They want to live that life, assimilate to it, and not not come here and vote for you know whatever the Democrats are voting for, which is really drag queens teaching your kids and you know they want they want you all to be gay. Yeah. Yeah. More and more <laughs> I, mean, I see every, this as every, a gay op, yeah. Yeah. Everything from the left, especially the progressive vision, is basically to undermine the nuclear family. And and everything from the metaphysical Christian worldview. I don't know if this is really good for campaign stump speech but <laughs> yeah that's all right it's good for this live stream yeah, yeah we yeah i'd say i definitely agree and i think the lion's share of my 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 viewers do as well for sure the 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 gay op stuff is crazy the drag queens the <laughs> we just watched a meltdown from a, a trans person at a at a popeyes where they're you know i don't know if you've seen I this video that. yeah I saw that. <laughs> yeah um yeah so what let me you know i've um i was a libertarian as soon you know i probably last year you know this i belonged to the libertarian party and then i uh, i actually burned my uh card on air uh and you know <laughs> That was kind of a gimmick or whatever. I still have some libertarian leanings or whatever, but the being a liber big L libertarian, I think is it's a pretty bankrupt worldview, at least in my worldview. And we're talking about me or whatever. Um, but just to play devil's advocate, what about the people that say that it's you know immigration is an e economic plus net net economic positive thing, and getting technical workers under the H one B it will benefit America you know, in the long run, what, what's your, you know, if you were in a debate against one of those people, what would you say? Well, I mean, for who though? I mean, that's the question. And I, and I think if you're measuring qual, if you're measuring stick is GDP, well, yeah, it's great. But I think you have to be really out of touch to believe that GDP is an accurate measure for quality of life for average Americans. So, I mean, the, the people that are really benefiting are, are the technocrats and the oligarchs like Amazon and, and all these big tech companies. So they're, they're the ones that are benefiting and not even so much. I mean, I don't want to be cringe here and be like, well, the immigrants are victims too, but I mean, they actually, they kind of are yeah. because they get here and they're basically a slave class because if they complain about their lower wages, which I'm, you know, they know that they're not getting paid what, they should be getting paid um, and they they're working and it's, they're getting exploited. They're, they're working an insane amount of hours. They can't get all sick leave. And if they demand to get treated correctly, well, you know, their, their visa is being hung over their head. So while I think a lot of them, you know, they're, they're coming here because they get sold a pipe dream of America, of the American dream, prosperity for all. Right. So they come here as economic migrants being wrapped in a bow. 
and you know it's not all it's not all roses for them either yeah yeah so and so when you say a moratorium you mean you said all all meaning legal and and illegal um how do you how would you you know trump had the well i'm gonna build a big beautiful well uh how would you actually how would you actually do it physically? Would you? I mean, I've been saying for a little bit that you kind of need to line the whole border with armed men. Like a, a wall is good, <laughs> but like you need like a, a like a two thousand mile line of men with guns or something, or like a moat or like how how would you actually like do it? If, now it's you as a congressman. Like say you win, it's not like your job to implement. You're not the you don't you know you don't execute the laws. But what, how would you actually do it? Well, you know, I am an infantryman. I was mm. a veteran in the army, and I, I do know that barriers actually do work yeah. in the sense that they, they're not the absolute, but they, they help with the manpower, right? So you say you have a wall, you don't need as many people. And if you don't have a wall, well, you need a bigger force. And our, our current administration wants to not finish the wall and have a smaller force. They want to basically get rid of ICE, right? Yeah. Um, so I, I would do a combination of, of the two. You, we could probably use some watchtowers. <laughs> yeah. I think that would be good aesthetic too, especially if you make it like a castle, like a <laughs> castle watchtower. Yeah. That would be cool. Yep. Like a, like a portcullis a drawbridge, uh, you know, like, <laughs> like alligators in the moat. You know, I, yeah. Yeah. If we're, if we're spending all this, like I now let's get a little honest here. Trump. I don't know how that thing that they're building costs so much money. Mm. Like if you're spending that much money on it, it should look like the, the wall, great wall of China. It should look like a castle fortress. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, definitely, man. That'd be bad. Yeah, and we should be it's able to symbol. Yeah. Yeah. We should be able to have like, like troops walking on top of it. Yeah. That's what I want. You know <laughs> That's what? That's, I, I'm going to make that legislation. We're going to, I'm going to redesign the wall, the border wall. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it is interesting how like there's all that money for it, but like you could, you know, with what they put up, you could kind of get the materials at Home Depot or something like that. You know, <laughs> it's just like sh not sheet metal, but it's people climb up it all the time. Like, what are you doing? I do, what do you yeah. think? Uh, what do you think? Do you think Trump, how genuine do you think Trump was? I mean, I, at the end of the, the way the election went down and, you know, the way that he, you know, kind of rolled out vaccines and kind of just the whole, the last three or four months of his presidency, including an up to, you know, let's say up, including an up to, uh, inauguration. A lot of people on the right were saying that he like sold out or kind of just gave up or even, even as far as double crossed his base. How genuine do you think he was as a, as a president? Mm -hmm. I think he was genuine. Mm. I think I think he was undermined at every turn. I don't think that he was quite prepared to win because, you know, what other option did he really have other than hire the people that Mitch McConnell said hire, you know? Um, yeah. I He didn't have the... There is literally zero... At the time, there were like maybe one or two people in all the Congress between the House and the Senate that even remotely supported his agenda. So, and, and of course, they, the Republican grifters, the, 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 the old guard recognized that Trump was a, was a force. So 
they themselves basically co-opted the MAGA movement with lip service, but they were not actually America first. And I, I think that that ultimately was the, uh, the downfall and just having some of the wrong people in his inner circle. Yeah. Because, because, because he was, is a, didn't really have the infrastructure going in of, of people that, you know, were true believers in his cause that were also qualified for the positions. He had to rely, unfortunately, on some familial ties who, you know, they weren't, they weren't, they weren't great. (laughs) And to say the least. Yeah. Ivanka. yeah. Yeah. But you know, his, his inner circle has changed quite a bit lately. I won't say too much. But um, I, I'm still going to be supporting him for 2024. I think he's going to run. And I, I think it'll be better than the first time because at least now he has, you know, he has the experience from the first time of, to kind of help him mitigate some of the same issues. And I think he knows this. I think he knows. Yeah. I don't think he's completely clueless like Biden is. And as far as the vaccines go, <laughs> you know what? I, I think he, you know, I think he believes it. Yeah. That he did yeah. a good thing. He's um, a boomer, man. You can't forget Trump's a boomer. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, and I think he's also aware that some people are, you know, not really down with the vaccines. Most mm-hmm. of his base is not. Yeah. But, you know, I think he's proud of what he views as an accomplishment because, I mean, let's face it, if it was real, if there there wasn't NIH and Bill Gates money behind it and this was like a, a super safe vaccine that worked, I mean, it would be quite an accomplishment. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, interesting. Um, so, yeah, the next one on the... Um on your platform is support the right to life. Love it. Uh, Michael Cisco is unapologetically pro-life and believes that life begins at conception. Every person deserves a chance at life. If conceived, we will work tire- tirelessly towards putting an end to our society's greatest black eye, the mass genocide of the unborn. What I love about that is you call it what it is. I mean, this straight up genocide. If you look at the numbers, you know, since Roe v. Wade, I mean, it's just, it's just like, it's, uh, it, it is our biggest black eye and it's very hard to talk about in, in public. Like if you get at a, at a, you know, at Thanksgiving table or whatever, it's, you know, you better not talk about abortion. Like either side really can't talk about ab- abortion unless the whole family is, it's one of the hardest things to talk about. Um, but I completely agree. We just watched a video last night where um, there was a uh, it was reported by Breitbart where University of Pittsburgh combined with the NIH were basically, you know, I, it's hard to even say like basically using late term fetal like tissue on lab rats. I don't know if you saw this this uh, thing, but I mean, there, there's some like this comes out every three or four years and Planned Parenthood is selling parts, all this stuff. So I love that that stance. What would you you know, what would the punishment be? I mean, that comes up a lot. I mean, we talk about punishments a lot in this chat. You know, we, we're pretty, <laughs> I don't know, I don't know how to say it. We're pretty pro-death penalty uh, in this live chat. Maybe it's just people talking shit, but, um, you know, and I, I don't necessarily, like, I, when I say death penalty, I mostly am talking about, you know, like, for pedophiles, serial, unrepentant murderers, things like that, and, but I think abortion's murder. So, like, what do you think the penalty should be for people that are promoting and performing, you know, late-term, let's start at late-term term abortions. 
Hmm. Well, you know, I, I do think that uh, it should be approached differently for the, the practitioners, the people selling this stuff and performing it than the, the women who get them because there's, there's so much, you know, our culture basically tells them that tells it's not just them it tells us that that children are bad that yeah. unless we that they're an interruption of our life if we don't have this this and that first well we're not ready for kids right and then by the time you're you're supposed to be ready you're like in your 30s and your ovaries are shriveled up and you're you're a high risk for you're you're a high risk pregnancy by the time they want you to have kids right so, you know, the, I think we, we should approach the women with compassion and kind of some empathy because the reason it's a crisis pregnancy is because we've made it one, because we've let our culture get away. Yeah. And, and 70, 70 plus percent of women considering abortion, they say that if they knew that the man would step up and be a father, that they wouldn't proceed with it. And wow. so- so that means that no matter how much they tell us that, you know, we don't have a say because we don't have a uterus. Well, what it, what it does mean is that it's, it's that we are to blame for a lot of this as men. And so we, we need to be cognizant of that and really step up and be men. So, you know, if you, wow. if you have a, if you get a girl pregnant, I mean, shoot, get married. All right. Just uh, be a man about it and, and get married and do what you're supposed to do. Mm. But, um, I think that's honestly more important than what we should do with the, uh, you know, people that violate the, obviously we want to make it illegal. Yeah. So there should be some sort of, of significant punishment. Um, you know, I, I don't, I mean, I'm not, you know, here's what I'll say. A lot of times people, people like AOC will say, we, I don't want to hear you talk about pro-life if you're pro-capital punishment, right? You know what? I don't agree, but you know, I'll make the trade. I'll trade you. If you, if you stop, if you agree to outlaw abortion, I'll, I'll stop. I'll support stopping the death penalty. Mm. To me, that's a fair, that's a fair trade yep. because our, our, our prison system is frankly excellent. They're very secure. It's, the, the purpose of, if the purpose of the way that we do capital punishment, like waiting 15 years, um, and it's not done in public, so there's not really a uh, impediment. It, it doesn't serve the purpose of like what it used to, where it would, would work as an impediment for other people. Like, oh, wow, this guy's hanging in the gallows. Maybe I shouldn't do what he does, but it's, it's done in a, in a room, out, not in public view, 15 years later so the way that we do it is stupid and it, mm. it costs too much money so unless unless we're going to move to like public firing squads or, or hangings again then it's not worth doing anyways yeah that's a first of all that's a very good point i never thought about it that way but like like making the trade-off and i think if presented with that trade-off i would take that as well like you no more abortions no more death penalty i'd be like fine like great because yeah. you're protecting the unborn the innocent most innocent in society 
great. You know, one thing I was—it was interesting that you uh, made me smile. That what you just brought up. Fifteen minutes before we got on, we we covered a uh, article. It says South Carolina to bring back firing squads for execution. So what the, <laughs> what they did is they um they uh, brought they brought back the choice between the electric chair and a firing squad. Um and the yeah so the 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 person dying gets the choice. So I'll ask you what I asked my chat. Given the choice between the firing squad and an electric chair, which one would you take? Oh, the firing squad. Yeah, for sure. It's yeah. cooler. It was, I mean, it's a cooler <laughs> yes, way to that's die. That's what I said. That's what I said. Yeah. yeah, it's just cool. Yeah, someone in the chat was like, yeah, firing squad, no blindfold, cigarette in your mouth, <laughs> looking right in the eyes of your of the shooter. <laughs> Yeah, maybe the vape. Maybe the yeah, vape. Maybe vape, vape yeah, compromise the on the vape. Yeah, yeah no, yeah. that's okay. I don't know. It's not. It's not the same aesthetic. <laughs> it's not as cool. You know? No, <laughs> that's no. hilarious. Yeah, I mean, I definitely <laughs> agree on um, like the, it taking so long, and you know, the people that are opposed to it say that's for you know retroactive investigations and things like that. But I, I definitely also agree that if there's going to be death penalty, it should be public and it should be like a true deterrent. Uh, and yeah, that's that's an interesting point about the trade-off. Um, and and I also think that you know I don't I'm not a big like policy or like I'll probably never run for government or whatever. But you know some sort of education like education law that says you have to encourage abstinence before marriage that would take care of a lot of it too. If if we could just encourage no sex out of wedlock, do you agree? Well, of course. Yeah, but. Uh... But you know, I, I I think that I mean, if you, in my opinion, if you're willing to subject your children to to state indoctrination at this point, you're crazy. Mm. So what what I want to do is is well, not so much in West Virginia. You know, we're sane here, but in some places in this country, if you live in like New York or California, like if you send your kids to public school, you're insane. Like you should get checked out. But now, I, I want to, to broaden the options with the vouchers for like public vouchers. We should be spending as much money on people that want to homeschool and send their kids to private schools yeah. um, for them to be able to do that as we spend on public school. Um, they should get basically the equivalent via a voucher for those sort of programs. So give people the at least the option to break free of the indoctrination. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I like your take so far, man. You're pretty based. Like this is, this is definitely like based upfront and, uh, America first. I really like it. Um, the next one is protect gun rights. Love it. Uh, the radical left and even supposed moderate Democrats have made it clear. They want to take away your right to bear arms. This is con- accomplished through consistent fear mongering coupled with an unwillingness to address real social ills that lie behind violence in our nation. Um, it brings up Marxist mobs burning down our cities, you know, uh, the riots of last year and things like that. Um, well, Michael will protect your second amendment rights and work against all infringements against it. So my, my question about this is, um, the shall not be infringed thing is, is, is interesting. I'm basically a second amendment absolutist or a shall not be infringed absolutist, but, um, what do you, you know, we just talked about the criminal justice system and in the current system, if you're a, a felon, especially a violent one, you can't, you're basically, your second amendment rights are revoked. Um, what, where do you think that, like, I wouldn't feel comfortable, like there are people, even though it says shall not be infringed, there are people in society where it should be infringed. So it's like, 
it's interesting how it really isn't absolute like a a uh, a guy that shoots a bunch of people and then kidnaps a bunch of kids. I don't think he he should have guns. Um, what where's your line there? And you know how do you where should it be infringed and all that stuff? Yeah, no, that's a, that's an interesting point. I mean, anyone that that has proven a violent criminal, you know, they probably there should at least be a certain amount of uh, time elapsed past them serving their time, you know, before they're allowed to like own weapons again. But that where where it gets tricky is when you're where you're doing the mental thing, like the mental health analysis thing. Yeah, it's really slippery because. Yeah, because, you know, one thing that not to be a cringe boomer, right? But uh I don't I don't like, you know, certain people don't like talking about communism and whatnot, but I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. The one tactic that Stalin used was basically he would label political dissidents as mentally ill. And and then so that they would then be put into mental institutions or in labor camps for treatment. So, I mean, it's a tactic that the left has already used in the last century, right? Um, so, of course, it's And then what is what quantifies as a mental illness enough for you to be denied your rights? I mean, a third of the country suffers from anxiety and depression. So are you going to take their guns away? It's, you know, I just I think that that could more easily be weaponized than, say, like somebody that's actually proven to be a violent criminal. Yeah, absolutely. I think that the whole social sciences and thus, you know, academia thing is kind of a trap where the, the valuations always have to come from the people they call experts, you know, and they all they say, they turn out to be lefties. They turn out to be kooky cultural Marxists or whatever. I don't trust that at all. Um, I would feel comfortable with, you know, you know, if they just have a mental condition, they should be able to have guns. It's whether they've committed like a heinous, violent act. That's kind of, yeah. yeah, that's, that's a little bit weird. And, you know, but if ever, everyone in the world, if everyone can have them, it would, the, the, the problem might sort itself out with a lot of yeah. violence, which is. Now I don't think good. like, you know, I think maybe there, there should be, you know, if you get in a street fight, you know, that I don't think that's enough to like justify no, no. losing yeah. your, your rights to own a gun. Um, yeah. So, yeah, we obviously have to create some sort of clear line there, which I, I think there's, you know, each state could determine that on their own. That's just kind yeah. of a state's right thing, to be honest. Yeah. You know, luckily I live in a in a Second Amendment sanctuary state as yeah. of like two weeks ago. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah, Governor Justice signed the bill that basically West Virginia will not abide by any federal gun legislation. Awesome. So And uh does that mean any any legislation going forward or even stuff it's, retroactively? Yeah, it's like basically only state law applies here. Oh, and, okay. And it's a constitutional carry state, so you can conceal carry without a permit. You can open carry. You can do whatever you want. Yeah. What about automatic weapons? I mean, do they still abide by abide by the the federal? I don't know what's called, but it was, it's like 1989 or 93. Clinton passed it. Um, wow. I'm not entirely sure. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure that ATF would be yeah. completely on on you ah. regardless. 
<laughs> but that sucks. Um, one thing yeah. I wanted to uh, talk to you about before we get into political persecution is, you know, it, it, it always it's just interesting. You're running for U.S. Uh, House in West Virginia, and we've talked about mostly national or societal issues so far. And I always thought it was interesting, you know, uh, the latest example would be Maxine Waters congresswoman out of california going to minneapolis to participate in race riots like do you think that the problems are so big that that even that you know i guess you're gonna if you win you got to go back to your constituents and you have to you have to represent their interest in your state but the the, the federal government either overreach or, or going in the wrong direction affects everybody you know how do you see that you know is is your i guess what i'm is your journey or your platform more of a national conversation or, or a state's a state conversation? And how do you balance the two? Well, it's when you're running for federal office, I think the basically what you're doing is representing your constituents uh, needs and wants on the national as it relates to the national conversation. Um, so that that's how I view it. Uh, it is a national conversation. It's it's a federal it's a federal seat. It it certainly certainly we petition donations from people across the country that are America first. Yeah. But it also just so happens that my district happens to be one of the most nationalist populous districts in the country. So it's a very pro-Trump district that you know which makes me makes me really more confounded as to why the, my my presumed opponent would go after Trump after January 6th. Like, are you insane, dude? Your, your entire district is flooded with Trump signs still. So, no, I, I view it as kind of both because, you know, it's just how, how do you take the values of your constituents and apply it to the federal level, like their interests, you know? It's obviously going to be different than like the state legislature. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Sweet. So it's just like a ban. Yeah. That's a good way of saying what you said in the beginning. It's like you're, you're representing your state's interests on the national level. And that's, you know, it's, it always was crazy. You know, when, when what's, you know, AOC would opine on stuff in California and like, you know, I don't know. It's just kind of the lefties <laughs> are a mess, you know, um, let's, <laughs> let, let's move on to political persecution. I mean, you know, from, you know, I think you announced about a month ago or something like that, but you know, in the last two weeks or so, there's been a new round. I mean, there's been pl political persecution, you know, for a long time, but especially since January 6th, but you know, the last couple of weeks, there's been people put on no fly lists. I mean, I, I'm sure you saw those videos of, uh, Nick Fuentes not being able to, to fly, I heard you got a. Sh I was listening to a show. You got a shout out from Fuentes. That was nice on America First. Um, so how? I don't know. Like you know, uh, <laughs> Lauren Witzke, I think got denied um, uh, getting on a flight too. I have a feeling that uh, if I were to try to fly, uh, I wouldn't get in. I wouldn't get in the club. Uh, just my guessing. But you know. Um, why? I mean, I kind of see the political persecution thing as one of the issues of, of our time. I mean, I would say, 
you know, abortion's bigger because it, it, it affects the future in a, I mean, I'm dispens not disp- I'm 33. I'm more dispensable than the next generation. You know, they didn't do anything wrong at all. They're, they're just, they're babies in the womb essentially. So it's like, I'd be able to, you know, I won't fly again. You know, abortion is, is like, that's, that's very sacred right there. Um, or being anti-abortion is, is sacred. Uh, what's describe the general state of political political persecution to you, and how you'd um, how you see a solution going forward? Well, I I do want to say that this to me, even though it's 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 towards the bottom in order on my platform, it we it really takes precedence because even more so than the pro-life, the reason why is because it is the most urgent issue and it is because if we if we don't rein this in you know we we just won't be able to even we won't have a voice for any of the other issues at all so and and so i just wanted to make that clear that that at this moment in time that is the most important issue on the platform followed closely by immigration because of the electoral strategy with immigration but no i mean you know yeah you have people like when and Litsky, by the way she's she can fly she just has to go through extra security like an yeah. absurd amount she was even getting searched outside the airplane insane wow but yeah yeah I mean, you know, people are getting debanked. I know you had Enrique Terrio was kicked out of a bank. Yeah, Andrew Torba with Gab has has been through like five banks now. Yep, I got kicked um, off Wells. I got kicked off Wells Fargo. Did you? Mm-hmm. That's it's crazy. Like it's an essential life service that you like you need, right? Like you 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 need these things to live like a normal person in this society and and to function normally. And and they're basically trying to punish us for being political dissidents, and and it's really just an intimidation tactic. Not so much they know that you're not going to shut up, right? They know that that Nick and Laura Loomer and all these people, the Whiskies of the world, they're not going to shut up. But but they know that everybody else sees what's happening to us, right? And and maybe. You know, maybe this will be will keep them a little more quiet. The the guy that has a nine to five job, has got a family to take care of. You know, maybe he's not going to voice his opinion on on gay marriage or on the the election fraud or COVID nineteen lockdowns or or the vaccine passport. Maybe he won't. Maybe he'll just shut up. And maybe maybe he'll even take the vaccine so that he can he can keep his job right. And he's not going to say anything. So, you know, it's really disenfranchising. It's silencing our voices. It's taking away our political sovereignty as a, as a people, as a conservative movement. And, and it's, it's an unfair advantage for one. It's, it's something that it's the hill that we have to die on or else there's no future for our movement at all. And that, that goes for, it goes for the normie conservative, the more more normal mainstream conservatives, because they they might think you got guys like Raheem Kassam that thinks he can uh, he can escape this because he's a, a immigrant and he had, he mocks Nick Fuentes and, and calls says that Nick's on drugs and 
attacks Lauren Witzke for being for her past drug use. You know, this guy thinks that that he's going to be spared, but the truth is, if if we allow this to continue down this road, none of us are going to be spared. They're going to. That's that's just a historical fact when you look at at uh, leftist regimes. I realize that the progressive regime is not the same as a Marxist one, but the revolutionary spirit is the same. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, while you were, uh, you know, when you, you started talking after I asked that question, it made sense to me how you said that it's the most urgent, especially when kind of compared with uh, abortion, and maybe not compared, but I can't think of a single person that's facing political persecution that isn't pro-life. So if you persecute, all the people, every you know, you could just pr- persecute the people, and then the movements behind them will just disappear. The America First, pro life, you know, sc- you know, even things like school choice or, or anti war, and you know that that's how I got into. That's why I became. Uh, we're gonna get you know to the say no to forever wars thing in a second. That's that's how I entered the political sphere or whatever is is being these wars are insane and. Um, and so it's if you just snuff out all the it, like the persecution is not going both ways. I can think of no uh, lefties that are on no. Fl- it's all, you know, what you would call um, America first or far right or, you know, they say racist, they say whatever. But it's it's nationalist right wingers almost entirely. Can you think of anyone on the left or even the center right that's facing this type of uh, like blowback or whatever? Mm. Not really. Yeah. I mean, I know Antifa and BLM, they get locked up all the time, but they have the National Lawyers Guild to bail them out. So, yeah, yeah they get their they get the charges dropped. And we we recovered on all the we, like the Portland people already. I think 29 of the 57 people that were arrested for the the federal courthouse burning or whatever. They, they've got the char- they get the charges dropped. So, um I don't know. It's hard. To, I mean, I'm a total conspiracy theorist, but it, even for a normal, normal person, it's hard not to go to conspiracy theory mode. I mean, it's it just seems like it's totally by design. You know, do you do you, you know, how how deep do you think the by design or, you know, do you think they need to make a conspiracy against uh, people on the on the far right or America first? Or do you think that's just decades in the making and they just don't even have to talk about it? Um, no, I, I think it's completely coordinated. Yeah. <laughs> I think the reason why, you know, I think the reason why they go after us is because we're, we're telling the truth. Mm. And if we weren't, there would be no reason to, uh, cause you don't, you don't see this amount of like flat earth theory, for instance, do you see, do you see anybody really going after persecuting flat earthers? No. Well, it's well, because everyone knows that it's stupid, that well. it's dumb. Okay, <laughs> all right, Steven. But <laughs> we can talk about that in another stream. I'll try to red pill you on flat Earth. <laughs> all right, all right. I, I was I was quoted in an article for calling Lauren Witzke stupid for. Uh, yeah, for she's a flat, flat earther, Earth. right? We talked about that. Well, she's it not says, really a flat earther. It, it, it says it on our Wikipedia that we talked about it yesterday. So I mean, like, I don't know what <laughs> it's. I mean, I, like that doesn't mean it's true at all. But I was like based flat earther, you know. <laughs> now she was on my podcast years ago, and uh, I was like, "That's dumb, Lauren. That's dumb." <laughs> I love it. Yeah. But, but yeah. you get, you get yeah, my I get, point. I get like, your point. 
<laughs> you just talked to the lo- wrong live streamer about the wrong issue, bro. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, there's I mean, but I do agree that regardless of, you know, even it's actually interesting. The flat earth example is a good, good example because, you know, there, you know, it's not even if the earth is flat, it's not dangerous to them. But the things that the America firsters do talk, the truth that they tell is dangerous to their agenda for sure. They can they can let the flat earth stuff go like it doesn't matter. Um, but the, the, the America firsters are saying stuff that is dangerous to their agenda. I mean, it's not, I don't see any America firsters talking actual like violence or dangerous stuff explicitly in terms of physical violence, but it's, you know, we're, we're opposed to everything they say. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, what basically what we do is we challenge the underlying assumptions to their entire worldview. Mm-hmm. And that's that's really all it comes down to is we commit heresy against their dogma. Yep. And so therefore we are treated as blasphemers, basically. Yep. Absolutely. Um one thing I uh one thing so that says pro worker on your on your on your website. Um are you you know, I've classically always been, you know, opposed to what you would call public sector unions. Um, I think they're coercion. I think they're kind of immoral because well, I know a lot of people in in in. Uh, so, are you pro all union, public sector, private sector? What's your uh, view on unions? Well, the public sector ones are basically part of the bureaucratic swamp, and I don't even really view them as workers. For one, mm-hmm. they just show up and they <laughs> they collect government checks on, and they're they're basically the deep state for the most part. They're the, the, the government bureaucracy that's always there. So, um, no, I, I view them in a different way than I view the private sector trades unions. Yep. Because, but I, but I do, in principle, believe in, in the right for collective bargaining with real working people. And there isn't, you know, my, my great-grandparents were miners here in West Virginia before the unionization and then, their quality of life vastly improved after the mining uh, unionized. So, you know, I recognize, I recognize the benefit to it. At the same time, I understand that the union bosses and that the, the political wing of it is pretty much a part of the democratic system. And they also, you know, AFL-CIO basically helped rig the election. So, but but I do support the union workers. I support their right to unionize. And frankly, it would be in their best interest to to uh, get on board with America first because we want them to be able to support their family and their kids and and have have a bunch of babies. Mm-hmm. We we want to end this massive immigration that suppresses their wages and the unions actually used to understand that and they used to oppose immigration wow yeah yeah definitely the old school i do, you know the the private unions and the old school working class thing from you know times of old you know that's interesting how you know biden i don't know if biden would uh qualify as this but you know back in the day there was something called the blue dog democrat like the working class you know and that that's basically gone um how do you think do you think the? 
I don't mean in all ways, but there's this theory. I consider it kind of historical revisionism or whatever. Like, but there's a, this idea that the parties flipped on things like race, things like working class, stuff like that. Do you see that as a truth, or, or you know, why do you think the, the parties have changed values a, a, a little bit? But I wouldn't say they flipped. How do you, do you think that's kind of BS, or what do you think? Um. You know, I, I think I think to a degree they, they there was a bit of a transfer, but but not everything transferred. So if that makes any sense, like like the uh, the working class stuff, I think was always a, a generally a Democrat thing. Mm. Um, until recently. Like now that's starting to uh, become because of Trump and America first. It's, you know, it's coming more of a, you know, we're the working class party now, which we are because working class. I know that those tradesmen in the private sector unions, those guys, they don't want drag queens teaching their kids in school. Right. Amen. They're not down. They're social, they're social conservatives, you know, which isn't even, Basically, the parties left them behind, so I'm not I'm not really versed enough on the the history of that flip. I was I've read about it. I I don't really have enough uh, context to dispute it, honestly. Right. Yeah, I mean that's the whole like you know Democrats are the real racists, <laughs> you know, like you know the party of the KKK and the you know like Lincoln was a Republican. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, well, Lincoln was Lincoln was also a tyrant. So yep, you know, I agree. I completely agree. Uh, let's talk about. Uh, I just want to, you know, the, I know you're friends with Ray, the musician. He's in the chat. He said something funny that I want to read. He said the parties switch from being gay to being more gay. <laughs> Thoughts? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Well, <laughs> accurate. <laughs> accurate. Yeah. All right. Um. So it says, say no to forever wars. Love it. So um, before, you know, I guess before I read a little blurb from that, you so you were what branch of the military were you in? You you were a inf, inf, infantry, but were you you were in the army? I was Army National Guard. Okay. for six years. Yeah. So. Did you with did the, you go overseas? I went to Egypt actually. Interesting. After after Mubarak fell, I was over there for about a year. Wow. What was that? What was that like? Um, not. You know, it's a, it's what Trump would uh, have a certain word reserved for, for like, uh, I think he called Haiti by the same name that I'm thinking of. It's, oh, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. An <laughs> yeah, S-hill country. Nice. It was, yeah. yeah, it was a lot of work. It, was, it wasn't like, you know, it wasn't glamorous. I'll just put it that way. But I also was blessed to, you know, when I first joined the army, I was gun ho. I wanted to go like. I want to go fight wars. And then uh, now I'm really just grateful that, that I wasn't asked of me to be in combat, that, that I somehow evaded that just by happenstance. Just my, my mission never included that. And I'm, I'm grateful that I, yeah. I'm just grateful for that. Interesting. So you're kind of gung ho. I mean, and yeah, so you're the young, young military guy trying to go over and get some, is that yeah. what you're saying? 
Yeah, yeah. I wanted to go. I wanted to go go to war for our greatest ally. Yeah, well, you know that's interesting. So I uh, <laughs> noticed in this uh, in this uh, paragraph that the our greatest ally is not mentioned. Uh, was that by design? Um, what do you think that goes without saying? Like, what's your? You know, I, I guess we could just. Uh, what do you? What role do you think Israel plays in keeping us over there for so long? Well, I mean. Yeah, man, put me on the spot, huh? I think I think that I think that they have an excessive influence on our foreign policy through various means of lobbying in the United States. That I think if it were any other country, would be considered foreign interference. If Russia did what they did here, oh my goodness, right? Um, if we had dual citizens, dual Russian citizens in Congress, I think that would be a problem. Yep. So I I oppose that. I mean, I think it's common sense. It's not like some sort of I dislike them because they're specifically because they're Israel, right? Or because they're Jewish. Like that's not that's not what it is at all. It's it's just policy that makes no sense. It's not America first. It I don't believe that the that the trade-off is a fair trade-off for us. Because what do we, I don't think that we really get out of it what what they get out of it. Certainly not a fair trade. And I think that all of our resources that we expend on, you know, our foreign policy that seems to be excessively dictated by them, I think all of those resources could be put to better use here in the United States. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it says over here on the, uh, on your website, you know, the, um, dangling foreign aid with contingencies to manipulate other cultures for the purpose of spreading Western values must end. Um, I definitely like that. I mean, I yeah, quote Western values in, in quotes. Uh, I definitely agree with that. Even if we, you know, I guess if we could wave a wand and, you know, have the constitution be, I'm trying to get this guy on that basically wants the American neoliberal regime to take over the entire world. Uh, interested in, yikes. in yeah, yeah, yikes, yeah. Um, so I, I really like that. So you know, so you don't see it as our place to, you know, nation build or you know, make them like no. us, anything like that. No, I, and and let's get real. The Western values that they really want to impose on them is is legalizing sodomy. Yeah, I mean that's that's all it really. It's it's the LGBTQ agenda wrapped in wrapped in uh, swaddling clothes, right? Mm. Yeah, big gay bombs. Yeah. yeah, it's. I mean, quite literally, I, the, the gay flag is hung on our embassies. Yeah, so, on our foreign embassies, like that's ridiculous. That's gross. So I mean. I mean, even the whole, I don't know if you remember the Merrick Corrigan thing and, and before she had her little, you know, we won't go there. I, I don't want to be not classy, but, uh, you know, <laughs> I mean, she pretty much exposed that, that, that we would only give foreign aid if they accepted it's even under the Trump administration. Yeah. I look like basically you accept this progressive agenda and we give you the money. And it's a deal with I mean, the I devil, man. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's exactly what it is. It's, yeah. and you know, I don't even think Trump knew about that stuff. <laughs> I just don't think he was cognizant of it at all because I mean, how could he be with the, it's just an insane, deeply entrenched system. It's 
you know. Yeah, absolutely. That's good. Well, I'm glad you posed that stuff, man. So, so this is the last uh, last part of your platform is incentivized marriage and family. And I then after that, I have just one question about a, a one other issue. Um, uh, so it says incentivize uh, marriage and family. Uh, the foundational unit of every society is the nuclear family. It's the sm- family unit is the smallest form of government in any society, very based. And the uh, family is in disarray, and the entire nation I- is weak. So, um, yeah, I mean brings up the birth rate and stuff like that incentivizing families uh uh it's imagined by forces such as the radical feminists and the lgbt coalition um yeah how would you do that and how in disarray is like are you pro i mean are you anti-gay marriage uh how what would you do to solve and what do you think are the big you know pillars of why it's become so degenerate well, I do support traditional marriage. I, I do oppose same-sex marriage and yeah. and even pretending like it's not a marriage by calling it a civil union. Mm. Um, but but let's get real. The institution was broken way before that. The only reason the only reason that we even got to that point in the United States is because it wasn't it wasn't treated serious like a serious thing, anyways. Um, it really started with Reagan, honestly, with the ending no-fault divorce. I mean, well, I mean, instituting no-fault divorce. That was one of the turning points in which um, we just wrecked the institution itself. Um, no, I mean, we're at the point where we have to do something about it. Um because if not, we 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 all we have no future. Yeah. We just don't. We we rank third in the world for having children out of wedlock. We I think the African American community it's seventy seven percent out of wedlock, and the rest of us I think is around thirty something. Every study that's out there on child rearing basically says that a child raised by a mom and a dad in a married, unbroken household has a better chance at seceding in life. And I I come from a broken home. You know, I know other people that do. And so this isn't like an indictment. It's just like, hey, look, recognize what the ideal is for our future generations, and let's get it, let's fix this for, for the future. Because like you said, you and I, we're dispensable. Right, we're both 33, but those who haven't been born yet, or the our little, you know, the younger generations, you know, it is our responsibility to secure a future for them. Mm -hmm. And how do we do that? Well, you know, people respond to incentives, and they have to be a good incentive. Yeah, we're not going to just use ideological. Uh, we're not going to convince them all ideologically right away. So how do you how do you fix it like in the short term? Well, you 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 give them incentive to do it. And so what I want to do, I want to pay people to to get married, and then I want to increase. Then I want to pay you to have kids, and it should be a significant a significant incentive, financial incentive to do so. And it should be higher and greater than any child support you would receive in the event of divorce. Mm. So you, should, you yeah. should lose a significant amount of money if you divorce. 
Yeah. Wow. That's cool, man. And so it's, it says on the bottom, bottom, you can, we can replicate programs enacted by places such as uh, Hungary and Poland. I know in Hungary, yeah, I think that if you have four or more kids, you don't pay taxes for the rest of your life. That's very based. <laughs> Would you like stuff like that? Incentives like that? Do we freeze up right at the end? No. Well, at least it was a good interview. <laughs> Let's see if he comes back. You back? Uh, you hear me now? I think so. I think All right. so. All right. Yeah. So I, I don't know if you heard my question about Hungary, but in Hungary, they you don't pay taxes for the rest of your life if you have uh, four or more kids. You mean those type of incentives? In, incentives? I actually want a more direct incentive. As I, I think that Americans don't tend to respond to back-end things quite as well. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I actually want to just divert welfare programs away from – from, you know, like like incentivizing single moms to stay single and not get married to the dad towards just like, you know, all this money we spend on what we discussed earlier, the foreign wars, the, the foreign aid, all that money. Let's divert towards, you know, rebuilding our country with human capital. Let's pay people to get married and have kids and let's get that birth rate up to three plus per woman, um, you know. And just I mean, because like like it says right there, the family unit is the smallest form of government. Yeah. And yeah. if that's if that's not in the way that if that's not the way that God intended it with a mom, a dad and then all the kids and in good communities. And, and you know, I'm not that's not to say that, you know, this is the only way to fix society, because, frankly, even if we do this. And we increase the birth rate and we increase marriages. If, if we still, you know, if we don't become, if we don't accept our Christian heritage and our Christian values, well, it's really only going to be a temporary fix, but you know. Hmm. Interesting. Cool, man. Well, yeah, that's your whole platform. And we, you know, we just did about an hour. Uh, you've been really generous with your time. Uh, I have one final question. I'll get, then I'll get you to plug your stuff and stuff like that. Oh, first of all, I'm going to link your, uh, website in the chat right now. I'll do it a couple times, uh, before the end of the class. But, um, yeah, man. So, uh, my last question is, is not on your, uh, uh, on your platform, but, uh, okay. So what are, what are optics and, uh, you know, that's a, that's a being optical optics is the thing that gets thrown around in the America first, uh, right wing a lot. What are those? And, um, what's their role in, uh, in persuading people or, you know, staying digitally alive <laughs> out there on the internet? Okay. Yeah. What is that? All right. So it's not, you know, you obviously have to push the window. You have to find a strike a balance between, you know, pushing the Overton window, introducing these new ideas that are counter to social conditioning, while also just finding, striking the right balance to not, to, to bypass their, uh, I guess, their natural defensive mechanisms that are just kind of conditioned into all of us from, from being propagandized by the machine. So as far as like the ideological level, I mean, that's, that's kind of what that means. Um, you can still have like shock that you can still make jokes. You can still be a little, you know, edgy, so to speak. Right. But don't be, don't be a moron. Basically have some self-respect, care about your image, um, present yourself professionally and just don't be read the room. 
whether you're on that that can apply to pretty much any context right yeah. read the room read the freaking room and don't be a moron that's what optics is and and you know like i said the like we have this thing we we call these people that we call wig gnats right yep well they just have no they're just stupid they're stupid and they can't get out of their own way because they're there they don't understand that you know you just can't some things that you say are not going to be effective to anyone because of social conditioning or you know polite you know there is something called politeness right like like you don't just antagonize someone for the sake of antagonizing them like that's not that's not what we're doing here right of course of course we're gonna be we're going to counterattack. We're going to be obnoxious sometimes. I mean, we're, we're, that's our brand of politics, right? But it's always generally a response. It's always tactical, and there's always a purpose behind it. But we're not just, like, making people uncomfortable for the sake of making them uncomfortable. And I, I think that's what, what a lot of people don't understand. It's like I don't, I don't just go around calling people gay or, like, calling gay people, you know, slurs. It's... I go, I tell the truth, I present it. And then if they come after me, I'll come after them. But, yeah. cool. <laughs> you know, you, you, you have to, it's just, you know, just don't be a moron, be more tactical, understand that people have this, these natural defenses that are, that are basically from years and years of conditioning their entire lives, really. Yeah. And just have some self-respect and don't be a moron. Yeah. Wow. Cool. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Well, I mean, so, uh, one just quick question are what is, I saw you mention on one of your, your most recent stream and guys check out saints Edward media. That's, uh, on Michael's channel. Um, you, still doing live streams. Where's the line there? Like, are you allowed to say anything you want as far as what the FEC rules or whatever? Like, are you allowed to say whatever you want? Are you using your channel as a place to talk about your platform? How does the de delineation work there? Um, I try and keep it a completely separate deal. I, yeah. I don't really talk about like the, the campaign. I've, I, I mention it only to say that, uh, that a super chat is not a campaign contribution. Um, so no, I, I don't go on there to, to talk about the campaign because I, I, I would have to keep those separate. Yeah. Um, of course, you know, there's still overlap. I'm talking about politics, right. but, uh, <laughs> No, I don't. I don't really shill for the campaign on my show because I can't. Um, yeah. I don't want to get in trouble. I mean, I did talk to the FEC about the super chats, and they were like, "Well, you know, that's personal income. As long as you make it clear that that's not a campaign contribution." Cool. Awesome, man. Well, that was an awesome interview. I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, you're, you have an open invite to to my channel. You can come on anytime. I'd love to get you on, and you know, to two to three months to check in and how you're doing and, uh, you know, a couple other issues and things like that. Uh, but tell people how to find your, uh, how to find your work and I'll link your, uh, platform another time in the chat for people to check out everything. But yeah, how can we find you online? Sure. Well, I'm, uh, on several different social media sites as I think it's, uh, well, I have a Facebook, not that anyone uses that, but it's uh, facebook.com slash Michael Cisco WV. Twitter is at Michael Cisco WV. 
Telegram, t.me slash the Michael Cisco, and then Gab is at Michael Cisco. Of course, visit the website, cisco2022.com. And, uh, you know, I would be remiss if I didn't say, you know, campaigns cost the money. And so I know I can count on all of your viewers for a max contribution of $2,900 today. $2,900 apiece, guys. You guys got that? Give me the extra one hundred. Make it a clean, uh, clean three thousand. All right. I'm cool. kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Michael, In all honesty, yeah. every little bit helps. You know, five or ten dollars goes a long way. Helps me. Uh, helps me on the road on the campaign trail. I got events starting in the next couple of weeks, so it's it'll be very helpful. Awesome, man. Well, yeah, it was great talking to you. I'll keep checking in on your campaign, campaign and stuff like that. I think you're a really base dude. I'm gonna be. You know, I definitely, as of right now, I'm uh, I'm endorsing you. I mean, because there's not any other other people in West Virginia that I think are are based. At least I'm, I know the populace is based. But you know, it, it, it's an easy endorsement because you're my friend and you got a great platform. So I wish you the best and thanks for coming on. All right. I appreciate it. Thank cool, you. Cool, man. All right. God bless. Take care. Amazing. That was awesome. Michael Cisco, everybody. Cool platform. Good guy. Some cool jokes in there. Kept it as optical as we could, guys. You know what I mean? All right. Let's get back into things here. We'll get uh, to the second half of the show. That was great. Um, support his work. Definitely trying to have the dude back on. Uh, sweet. Let me enable some things. Get some technology going. And that will be an episode of Call Me Ignorant in a couple days.